The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We just started the book of Colossians. And I realize, you know, it's December. Yes, we're getting toward Christmas. But I really do believe that uh, this week's message, uh, and including the one that's coming next week, you have to be here next week. It is the most powerful, maybe the, the most powerful passage in the entire New Testament um, as, it, as it talks about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And um, so anyway, these two I think are very appropriate for Christmas, the time, the season that we're in. Uh, this one is gonna be Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 13, so not a lot of verses, but the title of the message is Pray Like Paul. So we're gonna, we're gonna break down just a few verses, Paul's prayer for the Colossians. And what I wanna say is that you wanna learn how to pray from Paul. Paul was an apostle. Paul saw uh, the, the revelation of the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Paul had uh, visions. Paul you know, prayed for people and miracles happen and healings happen. Demons were cast out of people. I mean, this guy walked in the supernatural. He had angels come and appeared to him several times during his life. So how many of you would love to learn to pray like the Apostle Paul? Because all those things are available to all God's kids. Let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, pray and ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us tonight into the truth and that we will hear what the Spirit is saying to us for such a time as this. And it's in Jesus Mighty, wonderful name we pray and ask all of these things. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, so beginning in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. So, you know, begins verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, Timothy, our brother, to the saints, talked about you're all saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's skip down to verse 9. For this reason... He's just said, hey, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was probably the pastor over the church in Colossae, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So real quick for the uh, highlights, I, I call them the life lessons. Here's life lesson number one about how to pray. Prayer begins by asking that we may be filled with an ever-increasing or an ever-growing knowledge of the will of God. So what I'm going to share with you tonight, I want you to listen very carefully. And in fact, I would encourage maybe uh, it would be a good idea at some point to listen to it again. Because I believe that as we move now, we're about closing the chapter of uh, 2021. We're entering into the year 2022. We need to pray, and you need to learn to pray and enter into prayer uh, like never before for this coming year. And what you need to learn to pray is specifically what is the will of the Lord for me right now in this season of my life. And I want you to know that 
there is a general will of God. We, we find, you know, the Bible gives us, you know, this is the character of God. This is, God tells us what's holy, what's righteous. This is the way to walk and to live. And we all have that from his word. But there is also a personal plan, if you will, a daily planner for your life. God has a personally revealed will that is for you. And, you know, because the Bible is not going to tell you, yes, take this job or no, don't take this job. There's no verse that will say that directly. You can get the Bible, you can get the word, you can get the principles. But I want you to know the will of God is revealed to us while we come to him in prayer. And here's what Paul is saying. He says, for this reason, since we heard of your love for the Lord, I have not ceased praying for you to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, where's Paul writing this letter from? What's God's will for the apostle Paul? He's in prison right now. <laughs> Those are his circumstances. And yet Paul is saying, but I know the will of God for my life right now, one of which is to write a letter to you, the church of Colossae, that will end up being in the New Testament and read by the church for the next 2,000 years. That was the will of God for Paul. But God has a will for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So it's a precious thing to hear the prayers of a believer for his friends. It's very moving to hear the apostle Paul to a church he had never visited, nor did he start. Some other guy came, it's about 100 miles away, Colossae, from where Paul had been, which was Ephesus. But that guy had come to Ephesus, heard Paul, got saved, went back and planted a house church there in Colossae. And Paul loves that church. And he's praying for them. And the first thing he prays is, I'm praying that you will know the will of God for your life. It has been said that this passage, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13, or 9 through 13, by the Apostle Paul about prayer, may be the biggest and most powerful teaching on prayer of any other place in the New Testament. So as Paul prays that you may know, that you may have be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now Paul is gonna, he's writing it to the church to strengthen them. He goes, you guys need to know the will of God. And there are many false teachers that are trying to come to get the Colossians in this ancient cult called Gnosticism but the Gnostics would use words like knowledge. Oh, Paul told you this. Well, yeah, that's interesting. And you, you've read the, the Old Testament scriptures. Yeah, that's interesting. But we have deeper knowledge. We have higher wisdom. We have greater spiritual understanding. And they wanted to try to get them off into something else. Most cults do not go out you know, to the people that don't believe in anything. Most cults siphon off of Christians. They want to take people that are already religious, already believe in God, they kind of, but they believe the Bible, they're religious, they go to church or whatever, and they go, oh, but you don't know everything. And they want to add something to your relationship with God. They want to add to the Bible, they want to add to maybe what Paul said, oh, do you know the secret uh, letters of Jesus, or the secret words of this, or it's all inner knowledge and secrets and all of the rest of it. 
I want to just say to you very directly, Satan is a liar. Satan is a deceiver. He loves to borrow Christian vocabulary. So be careful when somebody says, oh, you don't have everything, but I have more information, and they'll use Christian vocabulary. But what you have to realize is they don't necessarily use the Christian dictionary. (laughs) In other words, they use the words of love and faith and God and the spirit and knowledge, but they give a different definition to it. So be warned. So Paul is making two requests here. Number one, he says we need discernment to know the will of God. And then secondly, he prays for the power to perform the will of God. But I wanna say this. God's will for your life is knowable. God's will and his plan for your life as we move from now into the year 2022, it is knowable. How do you discover it? Through prayer. And I wanna just say this. uh, So prayer is not like closing our eyes uh, and, and making God, you know, listen to us. We are not trying to persuade God to do what we want or what we think or what we see. But prayer is about finding out what he wants to do, what his desires are, what his plans are. Therefore, we are not so much trying to make God listen to us as we are wanting to enter into our prayer closet and wait on the Lord and listen to him. God speaks to us, so this is a great way to begin your your devotional time. Let God speak to you through his word. You read it, you meditate on it, think about it. There are principles, applications God can bring. And then as you begin in prayer, you begin waiting upon him and listening for him to minister to you. Yes, you can pray the Lord's Prayer, and then as you pray that, you just wait upon him and listen to him so that he will reveal his will for you. Too often our prayers are, Lord, thy will be changed. I have some good ideas. (laughs) Instead of thy will be done. So the primary object of prayer is not to speak to God as it is to listen to God. That might reorient your time of prayer. What is, you know, because the Bible constantly would say, wait on the Lord. What does that mean to wait on the Lord? Be still and know that I am God. If you will just take, it doesn't even have to be, you know, you don't have to time it, but a few minutes and just know that you're in the presence of God and be still and wait. Waiting means not doing stuff, not being distracted, but you're just, you're aware of the presence of God. By faith, we go into the heavenly realms and we're before him and we wait upon him. And if I could describe it this way, what I've learned in my own experience and many others as well is that when you have a few moments of quiet and silence, you become aware that you are not alone in your room or in your house or wherever it is that you have your, that's all of a sudden you become, wow, you, you know how you can be in the corner of your living room and you're kind of facing the window and you don't hear it, but you feel someone's presence come into the room. Have you ever felt the presence of someone else? And you turn around and to see, sure enough, you know, there they are. That's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. By being silent, being quiet, just for a moment, the best way I can describe it is the presence of the Lord will enter into that 
place, wherever it is, your devotional place. And then you begin to worship him and welcome him and listen to him and let him speak to you and pour into you. All right, so let me go on to this next life lesson. We need to pray for his will for us personally to live right now. Because when Paul says here uh, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, to be filled means to be controlled by. So look, you need to know the will of God so that you are filled with the knowledge of his will. And then you're controlled by it. So if you're filled with anger, you're controlled by anger. To be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit. So to be filled with the knowledge of his will means that I know the will of God for my life at this moment and I'm running in the lane that God has given to me. So then when he says filled, under the control of, the knowledge of his will, that word knowledge means full knowledge. So God God wants you to know him. That's why uh, we, we spend the first part of our relationship listening, and that's why daily, you know, read through the Bible. I, I don't know if we have some out there. I hope there are. If there's not, I'll try to get some, uh, you know, after this service or before next week. But I want to encourage you, you should have a reading plan where you're actually reading through the Bible every year. The best thing in the world, if you've never done it, let me encourage you, you should be reading through the Bible. Did you know that you can read through the whole Bible if every day you just read, you know, three, sometimes three chapters, maybe four, and usually with, you know, there's a proverb, a psalm, something, the Old Testament, something from the New. But, But what happens is, if God's word, if you have 365 days, look, if you miss a day, you don't freak out, you don't condemn yourself, don't beat yourself up. It's like, don't worry about it. I'll just pick up tomorrow wherever I'm at. But if you go through the word of God, do you realize what will happen that you basically made from Genesis to Revelation? All of God's word is in your brain. Our brain is a computer. It's there whether you remember the days and the verses or not. It's all in there. And at the right moment, all of a sudden, you may not know the chapter and verse, but a word, a thought, a phrase, a proverb, a psalm, a promise, a prayer will pop into your head at the very moment that you need it. That's the Holy Spirit who has access to you and he is able to bring it to your remembrance. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So filled, being filled with the knowledge of his will, being in the word, being in prayer. It takes time to learn who God is. I mean, God is infinite. And there is a lot to learn. You you, you never arrive. I've heard, you know, every once in a while somebody, yeah, I used to go to church. And then, you know, I read through the Bible or whatever, and I heard it all. What? You don't, you know, you don't know it all or understand it all. I've been walking with the Lord since I was 10 years of age. I've read so many commentaries. I've done studies in the Greek and the Hebrew and the history and stuff about prophecy and things about the spirit and prayer and all the rest of it. But you know what? Now, today, I realize, because I thought there would be a time where you kind of like, you do know a lot. Well, I maybe do know a lot, but what real maturity means is that how much I know tells me that there's so much more that I don't know and is still available. It continues to be exciting 
fresh, deep revelation. I can't go, wait to go through in a few weeks and start the Bible all over again January 1st. I love it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. I love that. From creation all the way to the end, when Jesus Christ, seated on a white horse with multitudes of multitudes of saints, comes down from heaven to sit on the throne of David and to rule and reign. That's the story of the Bible. How good is that? You can't read it enough. You can't get into it enough. You can't learn enough about God. And you meet people that go, yeah, I went to church, I went to Sunday school, I've been there, I've done it all. You don't know nothing. In fact, if you think you've heard it all, you're just revealing your own ignorance. It's like the freshman college student who handed in a three-page report that he was supposed to turn in called on the history of the universe. <laughs> a three-page report. Anyway, Paul's prayer is that we might be controlled by the full knowledge, filled with the full knowledge of God's will for us, and not only generally, but individually. There is a lane that God has given to you at this time, at this moment, at this season in your life. It is God's will that is personally developed just for you. And if you'll learn what that will is and begin walking in it, literally it will when you walk in the lane of the will that God has for you right at the moment, right at that time, it's energizing. It, it fills you with excitement, with, with joy, with zeal, with spirit, with passion. It's like you come alive. It's like you're almost like, man, I was like I was made for this. You were. You were designed and pre-designed for this moment to run in the will of God. It's like that movie, Chariots of Fire. I know it's an old movie, but I love that you know, young Scottish guy that, that when he ran and what, you know, the, he was just, you know, would always come from behind. He ran very kind of strange and everything else. And his pr family was very Christian and no, you need to be a missionary. And he goes, yeah, but I feel like God is using me to run. And he goes, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's how you will feel when you're in the lane of the personally revealed will of God. So here's the deal. There's no book uh, there's, that, that can tell you what is God's personal will for you. There's no seminar you can go to. This is something that is revealed individually, personally, uniquely for you for this moment, for this time. And it can only come through prayer as you grow in the knowledge of his will for you. But it, it's the most exciting, dynamic thing that could ever possibly happen. And what I want to say is, it's knowable. It's not impossible. It is, you can know that you're in the will of God. Look with me at James chapter one, verses five and six. Let's read this scripture out loud together. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. We need wisdom to know, Lord, what is your will for me? What is your will for my marriage? What is your will for my family? What is your will for me this moment, for this time, for this season? And it is knowable. And that's what Paul was praying 
for this brand new church that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now look at verse 10, that you may walk, so once you know his will, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So let's put this up on the screen for the next life lesson. To make it real, we have to both learn it and then we have to live it. So once you learn about the Lord and you learn what his will is, then you have to actually apply it. You have to do it. You have to walk in obedience to what God has revealed or said to you. So there, there's no shortcuts to the will of God. There's no shortcuts uh, in, in that way. Uh, as the Gnostic said, secret knowledge. But, and I'll tell you this about uh, another thing about cults. Well, first of all, cults are weird, but when you actually try to put them into real life, they don't relate to real life. But the Bible relates to everyday living. Can I hear an amen on that? It's very, very practical. The spiritual, the supernatural is very, very practical, and so to walk worthy. So that's what his prayer is there in verse 10. Paul is praying. This is how we ought to pray for one another, that we may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. To walk worthy means to walk the talk. There are some people that can talk a good game, but they don't really walk in the way that they should uh, and it's, you know, so be careful that you don't just gain a bunch of knowledge so you can have spiritual conversations with people and argue them about doctrines and things like that. Paul's not interested in that. He goes, look, you're, you're studying not to impress other people with what you know, have read, or understand, but you are learning more and increasing in the knowledge of God so you can live more of the dynamic, spirit-filled, supernatural life. Amen. So spend time daily in prayer to learn God's specific will for your life in every season and every time of your life, fully pleasing him. Okay, everybody look up here for just a moment. So I want to just say this. Paul is praying. I want you to live in such a way you know and discover God's unique will for your life. I'm an apostle. I'm in prison right now, but I am... I am experiencing the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the passive understanding, the fruit of the Spirit is abounding in my life, and I'm writing a letter to you, and I'm going to write a letter to the church in Philippi. And he is saying to them, but I need you, I want you to walk worthy. I want you to walk in a way that will demonstrate that you have a real relationship with him, fully pleasing him. Did you know that you were made and designed physically, mentally, emotionally, the electric part of our human anatomy, your brain, your chemicals? You were designed, made, created to live to praise the Lord. You were made to please him. Now, you might be saying, well, that's okay, I'm a Christian, that's kind of obvious, but I want to say... But the world says everything is about you. And basically they say the whole, live like the whole world revolves around you. 
to make you happy, to make you fulfilled, to make you pleased. And what I wanna say to you is if you live for yourself, you will never be happy. If you live only to please yourself, it doesn't work. You will not function. Uh, You will be frustrated. You will bounce around because you will not have fulfilled your true identity. You were made in the image and after the likeness of God and as a son or a daughter, we are to live to please him. Because here's the beauty. When you live to fully please the Lord, he exists. To fully please you. He loves you. You are the focus in all of the universe. There is no other creation. I don't know whatever galaxies or whatever things are out there. You are the most special people in the universe. He loves you. You are his sons. You are his daughters. He takes all of his goodness and all of his glory and all of his godness, and he wants to bless you. But the only way that you get to experience that is when you find your joy in pleasing him. To live to fully please him, the little puny ounce that you give to him will come back a million times more because he's going to pour out a river of living water upon you. Can I hear an amen on that? Do not live for yourself. I mean, I I watch and I listen and now because everything is on social media and oh my gosh, I mean, people are just into themselves. Have you noticed? What they think, what they feel and and they're just wrapping around themselves. It's like, wow, you know, and they're not very happy. (laughs) I've noticed for the most part. Have you noticed that a lot of people are really grumpy and angry and divided and yelling and arguing and debating and just like, man, they need, how many would say the world needs the Lord? They need to get on right with God. They need to fully please the creator of the universe. And when you do that, the fruitful life of love and joy and peace comes from living a life that pleases the Lord. And it is not we who work for God, but God who works in us and through us to produce the fruit of his grace. That's when you're going to be the most happy. So, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, let's just look at verse 11. I don't want to just put this in your notes if you're following along this life lesson. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have, and this is going to be maybe one of the best ones tonight, conquering patience. So let me just say this. Going into 2022, you and I are going to need supernatural, divine patience. Can I hear an amen on that? Yeah, people are running out of patience. But when, look at again, verse 11. Paul's praying. So we need to pray and, and receive Paul's prayer for ourselves, but pray this for our loved ones, that we might be strengthened with all might. The word might there is dunamis. It means, that's the, the Greek word translated into English, dynamite. So the kind of patience that is required in a fallen, broken world is a Dynamic is another word that comes from dunamis. Dynamite, explosive, powerful, strengthened. He goes, I'm praying that you be strengthened with might according to his glorious power. That's a different Greek word, kratos. 
And it means manifest power. He goes, you, and what, what do we need all this supernatural powerful uh, power for? For all patience and long suffering. You and I, patience is a fruit of the character of God. Patience is a mentality of a maturing Christian. Patience does not just mean sitting there waiting for God to do something. It is a mentality that you're engaged in life. It's like the soldier on the battlefield who everything in the battlefield is going wrong, but rather than running and hiding, he continues moving forward even though everything is tough. It's the runner who refuses to stop the race. My bones are tired, my muscles are burning, and everything is screaming at me, you can't win this race, stop, and yet there's a mentality inside that says, I will not slow down, I will not give in to what everything is screaming from me on the outside, I came to run a race, and I'm gonna run it to the best of my ability, and I came to win, never quit. Now, just real briefly, I'm gonna tell you, you know, so my story, my journey, I, I uh, grew up out in the East County. I have two brothers, and uh, they were, they're twins. They were born 10 months younger than me, so we we're almost kind of like three triplets, and my dad had been a wrestler, so he said, you guys are gonna wrestle, so we used to wrestle. So I got into wrestling from very, very little, and then you know AAU, the boys club, and then I'm in high school and wrestling, and, and this one year, I was really gonna go for you know the championship, the Grossmont League, and. So, you know, I did good, and I, I kind of won at, at one level in our league, and now I'm going for the CIF of San Diego. And so the coach had, you know, the, there were, you know, a few of us that were going on all the way to the city thing. And we would do, have these wrestling practices, and I would get so tired, I was like, I can't move. And so the coach, never forget Coach Wynn, he just said, you, you don't give in to what your muscles are saying, you don't give in to what your mind is telling you, you wrestle as if you could, you could wrestle for the rest of your life. I mean, literally, like, you, you don't even want to quit. He's, it, it's a mentality. And you know, I got to the place where mentally, yeah, there was a time where they finally said, okay, quit and go and all the rest of it. But I had, I had developed a mentality that, if required, I would not stop, rest. I could go all day, all night. I could just keep going on. And that mentality began to manifest itself on the mat when I was out there and all of the hoopla and drama and everything else. It's a mentality. And if I can say that there's, life is like that. It's a wrestling match that is trying to get you to quit and to throw into the towel. And there is a dynamic power of the Holy Spirit that is in you that says, even though you don't have the strength to put one foot in front of the other, you don't even want to get out of bed or whatever the discouragement or darkness or if things are not going your way, it's a dynamic of the Holy Spirit that says, get up, move forward, I will be with you, but, but the Lord can't steer a parked car. If you're parked, it doesn't matter which way you turn the wheel, you're not going anywhere. So you got to move and you've got to keep going forward. But this is not in your own strength. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you by faith, Jesus kept saying, the guy's got a withered hand. Jesus says, stretch forth. And you're thinking the guy goes, I'd love to, but I can't, I got a withered hand. But Jesus said, I told you, stretch forth your hand. Meaning, try, 
So he tried, and when he tried, he was able to do, at Jesus' command, what he'd never been able to do his whole life. You see what I'm saying? Once you begin to try, and you begin to step out and move, that's when the supernatural power of God will come. So perseverance is king. Uh, one, one guy wrote this, by, think about Noah's Ark and all the animals that had to get there, but think about this, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. <laughs> so he goes, patience and long-suffering. Long-suffering means really being patient with people. So this, that has to come from the Holy Spirit uh, long-suffering with people that are unpleasant, that are mean, sour, whatever else. It's the empowering of the Holy Spirit gives you patience. So Paul was praying, I pray that God gives you patience and long-suffering and with joy. It doesn't mean that you just, well, you know, I got tired to be a Christian, I gotta do the best I can. It's an attitude of joy. Joy is part of what helps you literally to overcome. Paul prays that no circumstances will defeat your strength. No human will defeat your love. It is a patience with people that is virtually indestructible, provided by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so closing, verses 12 and 13. Now let's just call this uh, up on the screen there, from a son of Adam to a son of God. So, he says here in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. I love this in verse 12, giving thanks to our Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We are now literally, uh, even Gentiles are brought into what formerly was only for the Jews. Now Paul is saying both Jews and Gentiles are the chosen of God. You have an inheritance and in that inheritance, it is a kingdom of light, that light is from God. It's not like a light bulb that God turns on in heaven. God is the light of heaven. The Bible says God is light. He is, when it says the revelation of the Shekinah glory, it's talking about God. And now he says, and you're my sons and my daughters. So listen to this. Because of what Jesus did by his death, burial, and resurrection, we have gone from just being a son or daughter of Adam and Eve to a son of God or a daughter of God, which makes us children of light because our Father is light. His light then is in us. We are in that light or that light is in us. And, and I want you to think about this. One day we shall pass even beyond the stars because you're eternal. God has put eternity in our hearts. One day, the stars will burn out. That's just the way it goes. That's what they, when the stars have burned themselves out, you, as his sons and daughters, will still be burning and shining for eternity, 
even brighter than the stars. And the Bible tells us that that is true. We have been conveyed or transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son from the kingdom of darkness. How many of you are thankful tonight that you are no longer under the dominion and the slavery of Satan and the kingdom of darkness? God has set us free. Hallelujah. We are delivered. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.